Welcome to another episode of the Total R&B Podcast. I am Lorena, and I am here with another amazing guest. Uh, this guest is a singer, songwriter, and producer from Ottawa. Um, he has produced some big tracks for her, Chris Brown, uh, even in the K-pop world with NCT, Justin Sky, and also Eric Bellinger. And then CBC also named him Canada's next breakout superstar, which is huge. So welcome to the podcast, Maurice more what's up yeah yeah what's up what's up <laughs> thank you so much for taking time out to speak with me today I, I really do appreciate that no i appreciate you and everything that you're doing for for the r&b scene especially in canada so i appreciate you thank you for having me of course so um as always i always start off with this question um if you can tell me what is your first memory of r&b music Wow. Wow. My first memory of R&B music has probably, there's two that really stood out to me in my mind when you, when you said that. And one of them was um, growing up, I, I played football and I remember my, my dad picked me up from football practice. We we're driving home and I heard, I must've been probably like maybe 10, nine. And I remember hearing Chris Brown, yo, for the first time in the car. And Prior to that, you know, my, my family played a lot of different type of music, country music, house music, you know, jazz music, everything. But that was like the first time where I distinctly remember R&B like, whoa, this is what is this? And that set me down the path of just being absolutely obsessed with the genre and the artists. And I had a similar experience with Usher's uh, You Remind Me. And those are the two like songs that for me, like kind of planted the seed of what eventually would you know inspire me to make r&b music of my own yeah no that's dope because yo well both of those songs are classics but i do recall um hearing yo and I, it was just i don't know it brings you back to a time so that's a great memory and like you said your parents played a lot of different music so i saw in other interviews one of your favorite artists is shania twain Oh my God, I love Shania. I love me some Shania. <laughs> but I never heard uh, what your favorite Shania Twain song is. Oh man, so it kind of, I go through waves and cycles depending on my mood. But uh, when I was a kid, like when I first got exposed to Shania Twain, I loved, you know, the hits, the man, I feel like a woman's. And <laughs> I used to dress up like Shania Twain, put on the boots in my with my mom and you know, jam out the whole performance. But as I got older and I really started to appreciate like the depth of her of her music, I would say it only hurts when I'm breathing mm -hmm. and forever and always. Those are like my top two. Yes. And it's so funny because I was thinking about that when I like read about it because I was never into country music when I was a kid. But for some reason, I liked Shania Twain. And yes. I think what happened was like back in the day, there was like, I think it was like Columbia House. They would give you like 12 CDs for a penny. There was like some big thing going on. And I think I convinced my mom to get one of her CDs. And my mom was probably like, oh, okay. But my mom listens to like a variety of music too. But just for me, she probably thought it was like a little strange because I would listen to all R&B and hip hop. But for some reason, Shania was that girl that yes. I loved. There's something I, I always I, I, I've like bonded with certain even R&B and hip hop artists, um, especially in L.A., 
over Shania Twain. And I'm like, no way. Like, you know, you know, you know what's up. Like, there's something about her music that transcends country music. And I think that's why she was so big, too, is because she, she broke a lot of boundaries, broke a lot of rules in country music. And so, yeah, she's she's one of them ones. No, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Would you ever want to work with her? Because I know sometimes you like you have your idols or people that you look up to or really love. And sometimes you don't want to meet them. But would you want to work with her? <laughs> yeah, I think Shania is probably like up there as like one of the top people I would like to collaborate with. Just because I, I think musically so much of how I learned how to make music that makes me feel uh, comes from her. And I feel like we would make something really, really, really special. Um, but just since we're on that topic, you know, I would say a couple of other people I would love to collaborate with would be uh, Frank Ocean. That's another one. Um, I think he's just, you know, another one of those people that really showed me what music could be. And I remember seeing Frank Ocean live for the first time at a festival in Toronto. And it just shattered my my perspective of what a live show should be it was so intimate even though there's you know thousands of people here it felt like i was in like his living room and so definitely frank ocean uh drake 100 percent uh I, I would love to collaborate with drake and then just to to spice it up while my man is uh, still here i would say uh stevie wonder Ooh, wow that no that would be amazing i think stevie wonder is just an amazing gift to this world oh my um, god to like songwriting and harmonies because i don't his music is just so timeless all of it all of it all, he's a genius like truly truly a genius yeah no that would be super dope and i love hearing stories when artists get to meet him and they get to just jam out for a little bit with him and he seems like a really like supportive artist. You know, sometimes people get older and they kind of like seclude themselves. Mm -hmm. um, he seems like someone who's like happy to like interact. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like that. <laughs> that would be exciting. Stevie Wonder, baby. <laughs> that would be super, super exciting. And then I also had another question because I did see that like speaking of like collaborations and working with people, um, you used to be in a group with your sister. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, I did. So what happened with that? How come there's no group? Does she still sing or pursue music? Is she in the industry? Like what happened? That's wild. I've never actually been asked that question. Um, and when I first started making music, I started out rapping before I was ever singing. And mm -hmm. uh, a big reason why I ever, you know, began to sing was because my sister uh, grew up, you know, singing. She, I don't even want to say singing, singing. She just came out the womb. <laughs> just doing them runs, doing them, you know, all of that. And so I was really, you know, inspired by her. I thought she was just, you know, insanely talented. And I remember, you know, one day she asked me, she said, yeah, I'm writing this song, but it's a duet. And I need someone, I need a guy to sing the, the other part. And this is before I had actually tried to ever sing. So I, I was like, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. And she convinced me to do it. And it ended up setting setting this path for us that, you know, we we're like, yo, wait, maybe we should do this. You know, we should make some more music. And mm -hmm. so we, we, we came up with a, a group name and it was called Retro Future. And that was kind of our introduction to the music industry, so to speak. That was like, we, we got played on the radio for the first time together. Okay. Uh, we put out two mixtapes and uh, she went to college in Toronto 
and I was still in high school at the time and that was kind of where things broke off but okay. through the years you know we've always we've always still made music together even some of the songs on my on my upcoming project you know she co-wrote some of those with me and um she's still doing music as a solo artist as well so okay. but now that I'm back in Canada I'm excited cuz you know she she and I probably have the most exceptional creative chemistry almost similar to like uh like the black version of Billie Eilish and Phineas. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, that is that is super dope. But it's so crazy because did you ever like sing around the house? Like how did she know that you would be able to sing that part? Um, I think I mean, I don't that's a, actually a great question. I mean, I remember in church like I sang like a little bit in the in the choir, but like okay. I was always very shy to sing rap to me felt more natural of an expression because i don't know there was something that was so vulnerable about singing and i still feel that and that's actually what i think is the strength and the power of of of, of singing and the musicality of it but i think she always she heard that i that i could hear pitch you know i could hear rhythm and she's like he can do this i just need to like you know coach him up and she she put me ever like retro future really was what sent me on the path of singing because I was always scared to sing and I always thought it was kind of like corny and where I grew up it was like a little bit rough and mm -hmm. you know people kind of made fun of me when I first started singing like yo why are you singing man that's soft really? yeah but I loved it I remember I went to school and I would play these songs for the girls at school and once I <laughs> once I saw that reaction I was like okay hey, yeah no I'm good on the rapping I, I need to sing <laughs> But at least, like, you could do both, you know, so you have skills in both. But also singing in church, too, that's also an indicator because I was talking to um, other artists that grew up in church and would sing in church, and it's like you have to be able to know how to sing in order to sing in church because if you're off at church, they'll direct you to go sit down somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I always try to stay in the back. And when you're little, you kind of have a naturally high voice, so, like... Mm -hmm. You know, it, but as I went through puberty, it was like hard to like hit the high notes. And I had this whole weird phase where, where I couldn't like sing up there. But yeah, it was it's it's been a beautiful process of just learning. And I, I truly believe anybody could learn how to sing um, as long as you can hear pitch. You can hear like, oh, this is this note. Uh, you can match the pitch. Then you can learn how to sing. And uh, that's that's just been one of the most rewarding things is like seeing like my voice transform over the years. Okay. And did you ever like take singing lessons or it's all like you taught yourself, you, you know, develop? Yeah, I would say I'm I'm 99% self-taught. I remember I took one uh, vocal lesson when I was uh, probably like 16 or 17. And then I just took so much value from that, that I was like, okay, I, I know everything I need to know. And then I just ran with it. But okay. honestly, I would love to get back into it just because, you know, now I feel like I developed myself from just learning on the internet and practicing and trying to mimic my favorite artists. But there's something to be said about, you know, um, more formal training. There is, there is so much value in that. And I think now that I'm getting older, I'm starting to respect that more as well. Okay. And speaking of formal training, because you uh, write a lot for different artists and you collaborate with them and stuff like that. Uh, one of the artists um, that I did see is Trey Songs. Yeah, um, is 
he's also a big songwriter. He also knows how to like self-produce himself and all those things. So when you were working with him, did you get to kind of see his process and work with his mentor, Troy Taylor, like that circle? Yeah. So Troy, well, Troy Taylor, actually, he executive produced my first mixtape, The Amber Room. And so I did that one in Atlanta and he was, he, his, so I, I always, like I studied kind of the early 2000s era of R&B and that was like my, my blueprint and my favorite type of music specifically like a lot of music that came from this production crew called the underdogs and yes yes and so when i linked up with troy taylor uh, part of the reason was because you know he reached out and was like yo like i really like what you're doing and like i would love to tap in and so i was driving from canada to uh south by southwest in texas and on the way back we made a pit stop at troy's and we ended up locking in there for for a couple weeks and yeah, I feel like the biggest things that I took from that process and that world, I remember walking in there, seeing all the, the Trey songs plaques and the Whitney Houston plaques. And I was like, man, you know, this is insane. And he, a lot of the things that I learned was about emotion, conveying, like almost thinking of being a, a performer or a singer or an artist as like being a, a an actor and whatever you're trying to convey on the microphone, it has to, has to cut through. And it has to, you know, someone has to hear your your sadness through this sound. And if they can't hear it, then they don't know. You know, if it sounds like you're reading off a piece of paper, mm-hmm. um, then they're not going to feel it. And so he was very meticulous about, you know, yo, no auto-tune. We could put the auto-tune on, but it's coming on after. It has to come in sounding how it needs to sound. And so it just really, like, elevated my standard of what um, I expected out of myself and um, it really pushed me to the next level as a vocalist and as a, I guess you could say like a voice actor uh, through the mic. Treating it like like that has been like huge for me. No, but that's dope. And I do see that like maybe that's the same thing you kind of saw in Frank Ocean when you saw him perform. Because um, mm. when he does perform or you even listen to his music, it, it pulls you in. Um, so I always talk about that sometimes, like, especially when I was younger, listening to different music and they're singing about breakup, but what does, you know, 10 year old me know about breakup? But I just <laughs> felt like I was going through it. <laughs> yeah. They pull you in and you feel exactly what they're feeling, whether that's pain, that's love, that's joy. So yeah, I love everything that, um, Troy Taylor does, uh, with the upcoming artists, especially, I think that's super dope. Absolutely. And- you did mention one of my favorites, uh, the underdogs. So, what, um, let's say, what, like, what are some of the songs from the underdogs that you would study or that you loved? Um, there's a lot, um, and that's really like, I, rather than like a vocal coach, I would say everything that the underdogs did became my vocal coach. And the way I pretty much learned how to make music was I would. Once I learned who the underdogs were, I literally went on Wikipedia and I found their whole discography and downloaded every song. <laughs> and um, a couple that stand out to me, obviously, uh, that f- first Chris Brown album, the underdogs were all over that. And so that kind of was like the first taste, especially like Yeah Man Ain't Me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Yo. Uh, I think uh, Oh by Omarion was another one. Um, that whole album was just crazy uh mario how could you um 
to there's so many oh even uh what's that um i think they did that jojo record with bow wow uh baby oh, it's you yeah 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 and so what i would do is i would download those songs and this was like how i how i taught myself how to write and produce and also record myself i would google some songs i couldn't find them but i would try to find the acapella and the instrumental and i would bring them into my music software and i would try to pretty much identically produce it like they did as best as I could at the time and try to identically vocal produce myself to sound exact like I I transform into Omarion you know become Omarion and that was like so cool because you know in hindsight uh I wasn't I didn't really have an objective while I was doing it. I just wanted to, like I wanted to be Omarion literally <laughs> but you know doing it uh it almost adds like these these toolkits or these flavors or these colors that you can now paint with when you're making your own music. It's almost like there's like this artistic reference that you can draw back to when you're in your own creative process. Like, oh, I should sing this with maybe this type of tone. And maybe I should say this line with a different type of tone. And you're pulling from all these different references and it's it's how you create something new and, and fresh. Yeah, no, and that's super dope that you even did that like on your own it's not like somebody told you like oh in order to be great at this you should do this you kind of just did it on your own and then it's crazy how that has helped you later on in your career and it's, i think it's also important too because a lot of times when you write for an artist or with an artist you want it to obviously like relate to them so for you saying like oh i'm becoming a marion that's the same kind of mentality you kind of have to get into his mind I guess. Yeah. Just to make sure that the material that you're writing for him, like it coincides, it relates. So we're not listening back to it as fans thinking like, this, this <laughs> sounds weird. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's cool because years later, uh, I want to say 2017, I started making my rounds out to LA mm -hmm. and, um, one of the, one of the, uh, ANRs that I was working with connected me with Harvey Mason. And he was, wow. you know, really showed a lot of love to my music. And we went in and we, we actually worked on um, a couple songs together. So that was like a dream come true my whole life. Like I was looking up to, to these guys and then to be in the room with them, working with them. I was like, man, like, this is just insane. So, yeah, is I studied them for sure. That you took from that that time with him that you could share with us? Yeah, you know what? Honestly, one of the most the most powerful things that I experienced working with Harvey Mason was how much he made me feel feel like a star. You know, this is a type of guy that's been around Whitney Houston and you know the greats. But you know, even a new artist that was just coming in the game and getting his feet wet, he treated me like a star and made me feel like like damn man, like you you got it. And so going into the booth. He was vocal producing me and i remember like the same way he was sitting at the board watching like those old videos of him in the studio with omarion he was you know it's this exact same and i'm having this like flashback moment but you know i went in so nervous and i walked away feeling like so fulfilled and so calm and i carried that with me you know it's like it's it's the way that you treat people is everything and I think that's what like allowed Harvey Mason to be so successful is he was really able to bring the best out of other artists. And um, it's something that I try to do with myself, you know, when I'm doing my own self-talk, but also when I'm collaborating with other artists, I try to make them feel like a star and try to bring the best out of them 
as best as I can. Because every artist, you know, not everyone is going to be the most skilled singer, but like that's not always what music is about. It's always about, you know, the emotion and the feeling or the joy that you can um, experience from listening. So that's probably the biggest thing is just, you know, how you make people feel and how you treat people. Definitely. No, that is very true. I think that goes to um, just outside of music as well, just to be kind to people. You never know where people are going to end up, but they'll remember how you treated them. So that is super important. Um, now, moving on to some things that are happening uh, now, really soon. Um, you're going to be at the Canada Songwriters Hall of Fame, where you'll be uh, honoring the legendary David Foster. So... <laughs> How did that come about? Because that's huge. He's like a Canadian, well, not even Canadian. He's like a worldwide legend. He's a legend for sure. And uh, it was super spontaneous. I, I was I was in LA just, you know, working away in the studio. And I got a, an email from Canada Songwriters Hall of Fame that I was nominated for um, the Emerging Songwriter Award. And oh, then they said, thank you. Thank you. And um they, they asked if they could, you know, we could hop on a call and like talk about it or whatever. So we got on a call and then they actually told me, hey, like we we're doing a tribute performance uh, for David Foster. He's being inducted into the Hall of Fame and we would love to have you sing um, Earth, Wind and Fire after the love is gone, which he produced. And I was like, oh, my God. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been, you know, over the, I found out about, like, I want to say like three or four months ago. So I've been, you know, getting super familiar with the song. I mean, I already knew the song because my family mm -hmm. listened to a lot of Earth, Wind & Fire growing up. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a huge honor and his, his career is just insane. It, it, I, I consider him like the Quincy Jones of Canada. Yes, definitely. Uh, like y'all, if you Google david foster and you see the amount of songs and everything that he's done like from movies like the color purple like to bands groups like everything it's it's honestly it's it's insane it's, <laughs> insane. it's insane it's absolutely insane and i i was like super stoked just about the opportunity and um throughout covid you know there wasn't like a lot of shows and stuff like that so this is going to be one of my first shows like since COVID and I'm stoked that it gets to be something like this and to be among such good company. It's, it's just, it's a blessing. So that's happening uh, this week, actually. So once this airs, it, it will, it will pass, but this is like an amazing, amazing opportunity. So do you have more shows that are coming up since this will be your first performance since the pandemic? Like what's coming yes um i'm about to kick off uh, a tour it's called the moonlight tour and i'm okay. going on the road with a couple homies couple underground r&b vets uh, my boy jacoy who's another artist from toronto uh kofi and jay soul and oh, so we're wow. about to hit the road road starting on october 1st in ottawa and then we'll be making our rounds all over the country oh i love that I love that. And so this is announced. Uh, tickets are going to go on sale soon, I assume. Uh, today. Today, actually. Oh, today. Okay, yeah. perfect. <laughs> I'll get our tickets so that we can see you all on tour. So yeah. how is it like preparing to go on tour or even preparing for this performance um, honoring David Foster? 
Man, well, you know, it's a little bit different for the David Foster than the tour. You know, the tour, it's all obviously my own music and songs that I'm super familiar with. And um, I think the challenge has been, you know, a lot of my bandmates are all here in, in Canada and I've been in L.A. So, you know, we have I had a lot less time to prepare and it's just immediately coming here and just getting right to, to the work. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's it's fun because. Like, these are the people that I pretty much built my career with uh, from the beginning, the musicians and um, engineer. You know, we've really crafted the whole, this whole thing from, from the beginning. So it's cool now that we're actually getting on the road again together. It's, it's like a family reunion. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. The David Foster one, though, you know, that was, that, that was like, initially I had this huge wave of excitement and then nervousness. And then I was like, hold on. This is friggin' awesome. And uh, I just been, you know, slowly chipping away at the song and getting super, super comfortable with it. And now, you know, it's it's like breathing. So now I'm just, I'm like excited. Like, I can't wait to get on stage. Yeah, that is so dope. Is there, for your tour, is there specific songs that you're excited to perform or that you know, like the fans are gonna go crazy for? Yeah, you know, I'm touching a lot of cities that I haven't touched yet. And I'm doing, you know, I'm doing like a lot of my new material. Um, but I am touching like some of my my, my fan favorites, like uh, the loudest silence, mm -hmm. which I know is gonna be cool because a lot of people have been listening to that song for a couple years now, but never got to see it in person. Um, so I'm definitely stoked for that one. And I'm, I'm, my version that I do at my show is like very stripped down with just the piano and me, and um, I think that's gonna be a great moment. Um, but I'm really excited to just be performing a lot of my new music because I think over the years. I've evolved a lot as an artist and um, my sound is evolving and I don't even think I've reached my final form yet as, as an artist, but I've, I'm excited to kind of play these new songs and show this new energy and a little bit more mature version of, of Maurice. No, definitely. Cause you're like, you've done a lot, but you're still so young. And I feel like you're the type of person that's always like taking in information and learning new stuff. So I definitely see like your music still evolving. Like you haven't reached your highest point yet. We're Amen. Yeah. Growing. So yeah, you're growing. definitely going to be seeing a lot, but I'm excited. Like this is all amazing stuff that you have. So like even the, the tribute performance and the tour, that's a big deal. Cause I know you did the tour with Kehlani. Um, yes. Two years ago. Yep. So <laughs> this is exciting. Um, and also too, with like tour life, cause I know you're vegan, right? I'm vegan, yes, for nine How years. Did, yeah, because you were vegan before. It was kind of like a trendy thing to do. Yes, it was way. not cool. I, I like people would like joke, always crack jokes on me. Like, what the heck? Exactly. So I find like in places in the U.S., sometimes there's more options uh, when it comes to vegan food. But how does that? How does that work on tour? Are you someone that cooks, or you have to go out and you have to find food a lot of times? Yeah, you know, when I'm home, I'm definitely cooking almost every day. Um, I love I love to cook. My dad is a chef, so I, I picked up some of some gems from him. Uh, but when I'm on the road, it's it's it can be challenging depending on where I'm at. Um, if you're in California, you're pretty much chilling, you're good. But pretty much anywhere else, um, I my go-to like on the road type of food is usually like a chipotle or like just like something I can get quick that. You know, I got my beans, I got my sofritas, which is like tofu. 
and veggies and stuff like that. But it can be challenging on the road. But I'm like, I never slip. Like if I can't find anything, I just won't eat. And I usually carry like protein shakes and fruit and stuff on me just in case. Um, okay. And I've been in those situations before. Yeah. <laughs> always prepared. Because I was thinking about that because sometimes it's hard. Like for me, like I kind of, um, I changed up my diet. So I'm not vegan, but like I don't eat a lot of red meat. Um, I don't have dairy. But then sometimes if I'm going out to restaurants with my friends and I look at the menu and it's just like, it's kind of <laughs> difficult. So I was yeah. wondering how that is on tour because sometimes you're just, you're always on the go. And a lot of times when you're like traveling to different cities, like all you have are just kind of like fast food places. Yeah. You don't really cater to like vegan. There's no vegan options. Like even here in Montreal, we don't even have Chipotle. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to have to do some research before I get there. <laughs> yeah. I know there's a restaurant called like Copper Branch. Oh, Copper Branch. I've heard of yeah. that. Some of the stuff is good. Some of it for me, I was just like, uh. Yeah. Needs to be, I don't know, spiced up differently. But yeah, there's places, but I just feel like I don't know, our our options here, maybe I don't know them all, but I sometimes I feel like our options here aren't enough. Yeah, yeah. It's it can be tricky in some cities, man. Like a lot of cities just don't care. They like, uh, we don't give we don't give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. But so I wish you good luck, but you're prepared anyways with all like your fruits and protein shakes and all that stuff so i'm pretty sure you'll be good we'll be good we'll be good <laughs> Montreal's a, it's, it could be a tricky city so <laughs> that. um new music yes let's talk about it you have a ep that's coming out yes i have an ep coming out um it's called i need space which uh has been years in the making honestly you know I, I i'm the type of artist where i'm kind of working on multiple projects all the time um okay. just because i have i have a lot to say and i feel like i need like vessels and places for me to put all these different thoughts and ideas and i like concept albums and i always have and so you know i want to give everything a home but this one in particular is perfect for you know the the colder season it's a, a colder sound. It's, it's, you know, it'll get you in your feelings. And I really wrote it, you know, while I was in my transition from, you know, leaving my hometown in Canada to LA and kind of all the things that I've learned from having that space, from all the things that were so familiar to me and, you know, the people that I grew up with, you know, all of a sudden I'm like in a completely new world and I'm like starting my whole life from scratch. And because of the pandemic, uh, I actually haven't been home in two years. So it really gave me time to kind of figure out who I am, you know, in, in a new context and all the things that I've learned along the way. And sometimes you just need space to do to do that. And uh, all these different experiences gave me the, the space to do that. And this was the music that was born out of that. No, I, but I find that's just something, um, unfortunately, a lot of our artists here in Canada have to do. They have to leave home um, in order to expand or grow their, their career. Um, I would like to see, hopefully in the near future, where, because things are, I feel, changing and progressing, but it would be great if 
um, artists can stay in Canada, have a team and still be able to, you know, grow their career to wherever they want it to go. They yeah. don't necessarily have to leave home. I think now, like the world that we live in now and where, where music is heading and even consumption, the way things are working. I mean, you can, you can make it from anywhere. You could be in a shack in India and you can, you can make it happen. Like, I, I truly believe that, you know, I think going to L.A. was almost like more of a symbolic um, venture for me than it was like a, a practical one. Although, obviously, the music industry pretty much resides in, in Los Angeles these days. But I feel like there's a difference between the music industry and the music business. And to me, the music business is, you know, you, the artist, direct to the consumer. And now you have the tools to do that. You don't need a label. You don't need any industry connects. Like they can't stop you from reaching people. And so that's been the biggest kind of realization I've had over the last few years. And it's been so empowering because it's like, wow, like I can really do this. Like just me and my people. And, you know, if you have the skill set and the, and the work ethic, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, no, literally nobody can stop you. It's just, if you're, are you willing to put in the work? No. Yeah, definitely. Is there something that you would like to see more in Canada for Canadian artists? I just wish there was more of a, I think in Canada, because, you know, opportunities seem relatively scarce, you know, there's only so many, you know, Canadian uh, radio stations, especially in the urban music space, mm -hmm. you know, there's only so much support available. And so I think it's created this kind of doggy dog mentality in the creative scene where people are afraid to collaborate and share knowledge and share ideas because they think it's going to diminish their light. And when I go to a place like LA, you know, that was one of the realizations I had. It was like, whoa, no, like the more you're able to share your knowledge and your wisdom and connect other people together. Like that is what makes you valuable. And it's, it's like you become this light that people want to be around and it, and it rubs off on others. And it's just this powerful thing that I think in Canada, you know, aside from just infrastructure itself, I think the mindset is what needs like a re a reform just people starting to be more appreciative of their own light and what they bring to the table and not being so worried about um, how supporting others could, you know, make them less. Cause I think that's a, a flawed mindset and it holds people back more than they realize. And it's very common in Canada. Listen, <laughs> it happens a lot. And unfortunately, like I, well, before the pandemic, especially I used to travel to the U S a lot for different like summits and stuff like that because I work in PR and I do like this podcasting. So I always want to, you know, learn more information. And I just felt like people were so much more open to like collaborating and giving me information and connecting me with like other people. <laughs> yep. Whereas here it's like, like me, my, my friend, we started our radio show and it's only after like we started to get like a bit popular and like we made connections with someone else. Uh, here that was helping us like uh, secure interviews and stuff like that um, and then eventually they started to come around a little bit um, but yeah it was just it was hard just to get just to talk to someone to get yeah. that information whereas in the U.S. I've had so many people just shoot information at me like 
I'm just yeah. like, what is happening here? There's it was it's such a difference. It's like night and day, unfortunately. So I definitely agree that there is uh there needs to be a change in mindset, which I think is is slowly happening. I've met I've been lucky enough to meet some really nice people uh who have been helping me a little bit. So yeah, I think it is changing, but yeah. It is changing. And I think I think like this newer, this younger generation is 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 already different um, than, you know, the people who have been, you know, in positions of power for a long time. And just like even just the the old industry, I think it's I think this generation is like they realize the power that you have by being being together. You know, it's like you're so much stronger when you're together. like I might bring something to the table that's completely unique and this person might bring something else that's totally different than what I do. And if we join forces together, you know, we can share what we know about these two different things and we can both rise together and, 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 and be better for it. So, you know, I just, I just think it's, it's, um, I think it's just that the way that our country has been for a long time. And I don't know how it is in the rest of, of Canada, but I know in Ontario specifically, I think they even say uh, it's the, uh, what are they? There's, they? They have like a phrase to describe like the fact that um, it, people don't really show love or show support or, or want to collaborate. Okay. Oh, I forgot. Oh, the screw face, the screw face capital. That's, what oh. <laughs> That's in Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's Quebec. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's changing. And I think it's a new era. And um, I'm excited to see where everything goes um, for the Canadian, like, arts scene. Mm -hmm. uh, Because there's just so much, there's so much talent. And I think when people get out of that scarcity mindset, it's a wrap. Like, Canada's already at the top. You know, so I could only imagine what would happen if we're able to kind of foster and establish everything from with from our home, you know? No, definitely. I I agree 100 percent with everything that you said um, here because I've experienced it myself. I've seen it happen to others, too. Um, But like you said, I think this generation, they're kind of fed up with how things have been going. Um, They want to progress. We know there's so many talented people here in Canada um, they just need the opportunity and the push and the support. So I definitely see things changing. So I'm going to stay positive about it. Yes. That positive energy out there. It's going to get done. It's going to get better. Definitely. But um, back to I need space. Do we have kind of like a release date? It doesn't have to be an exact date, but around when we could be. Getting- yeah. So I'm starting to I'm, I'm planning to start rolling out uh, some singles from the project. Um into this fall so probably like late october okay and then the actual full project i probably won't put out until after the new year uh just because you you know holidays gets kind of crazy um so i'm I'm gonna give you guys a little taste take a little break and then continue into the new year okay okay so we're gonna we're gonna look for that but definitely we're gonna look out for the single that's happening at the end of next month so that's always exciting and i meant to ask you too for the tour are you gonna have any merch that we could buy um so for merch this this honestly this tour came together so last minute and uh i literally they called me they're like hey like we would be getting ready like a month before the tour actually had begun so we're trying to scramble and see if we could put something together um because we have um 
some really dope pieces that I was planning to put out for my EP. Um, but okay. if we can get them in time for, for this tour, then uh, they'll definitely be with me. But it's it's a toss-up right now. <laughs> okay. No, I got to ask, because I know for me personally, like, I love going to concerts, but I love, like, buying a piece of merch from the concert. It's the best. To, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I have to ask, because I know a lot of people, they've been waiting to see you, so they would definitely want some merch, too. I think that would be super dope. So we'll see what happens. Um, anything else that you need to let us know about the EP, about the tour, anything else that's coming up? Um, I want to, I like, I really want to say the features. I don't even know oh. if that's a good idea, but <laughs> I'm dying. Uh, I'm so excited about, about who I have on this, on this project. Um, let me see. So I heard, I think I heard about one, which is super dope. Well, okay, I'll say one because okay. that's actually going to be the first single and I'll let the rest be a surprise for now. Okay. But um, so my next single uh, is called DNA and it features one of my all-time, you know, favorites. And her name is Jordan Sparks. And she uh, she and I uh, connected in, in 2021. Her husband reached out to me and was like, yo, you know, we, we're big fans over here. And... Uh, we would love to, you know, lock in and work on some music with you. So I went over there and uh, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know if I was going to be writing for her project or if we were going to like work on something together. But mm -hmm. when I got there, you know, she was really adamant about, hey, like, I really just want to do it like a duet, like together. And um, we worked on like a couple records. Uh, but the one that ended up on the EP was one that I started, I want to say, like in like 2020 and I never finished it, but I knew it was so special. Like I was like, okay, I just have to like let this kind of, you know, marinate and I'll figure out where it goes later. And uh, when me and Jordan connected, it all clicked in my head. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and uh, working with her was really reminiscent of like, you know, working with my sister growing up. It was like that, this immediate okay. connection, this immediate bond. And, you know, the guard was never up just felt so easy and free flowing and creative. And uh, she's like one of the people that I would say has been like one of my real, real, real homies that I could like really turn to if if, if I was ever going through something um, in LA so far away from home. So I'm super stoked about that collaboration. And I'm stoked that is Jordan Sparks because I remember as a kid listening to No Air and One mm -hmm. Step at a Time and all of them joints. So yeah, it's definitely yeah, like a, amazing. Oh, she's a beast, man. She's a yeah. beast. Yes. And you're going to hear that on this. Like she she went crazy. She went crazy. Okay. I'm excited because I did. I did see that. That's the feature that I did see. So I was like, oh, so, yeah, I'm excited to hear that song. I can't wait for that. <laughs> and there's some other there's some other collaborations on there that I'm excited about. But I'll let I'll let those be surprises. And there's some other, okay. you know, really really special artists, really special names that I think um, people will recognize and and also be excited to hear from. So, yeah. Okay, so I can't wait for this. So we have a DNA that's coming out. That will be the end of next month. I Need Space EP, top of 2023. Yes. So, uh, we got to look out for that. So I'm excited, always excited for new music, of course. So that is super dope. Now, before we wrap up, we are going to play some R&B trivia. Yeah. I'm going to ask you six questions. 
I'm scared. Oh my God. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. Everybody gets scared. <laughs> but listen, sometimes my question sucks. So don't worry. <laughs> Not worry. It's gonna be it's gonna be super easy and fun. Ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So the first question, you gotta tell me where these lyrics come from. Okay. Okay. So the lyrics are. Because my heart starts beating triple time with thoughts of loving you on my mind. What song is that from? A week, week by SWV. There you go. Let's go. Okay, okay, oh, okay. One down, one down. You, you got this. <laughs> okay. So, second question is: Can you name all members of the girl group TLC? Oh yeah, uh, Chili, mm -hmm. T Boz. Mm-hmm. And oh sh wait, 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 wait. I'm sure. Don't let me down, Maurice. Left eye, left eye. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so third question. This is a bit tricky. Okay. So this singer was a part of a group called Pop Life and appeared on America's Got oh. Talent. Uh-huh. Is it Normani? Kaylani? Jordan Sparks or Jennifer Hudson? You can't play me like Kehlani. Yes. <laughs> that is correct. Let's go. You got this. Okay. So the singer Tank mm -hmm. sang backgrounds for which R&B artists? Is it John B., Joe, Genuine, or Tyrese? Oh, shoot. I'm going to say John B. That is incorrect. No way, really? They collaborated on John B's album, oh, but the singer Tank sang backgrounds for Genuine. Oh, dang, dang. Yeah. I actually knew that too, but I was like, I feel like him and John B definitely liked it. Oh, damn. Okay. No, they, they did collaborate together on a song for one of, on a, I can't remember the name of the song right now, but on John B's album. But yeah, he was. He was singing Pony with Genuine back in the day. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's so cool because he still does it till this day. If he is at like a show and Genuine is performing, he will literally go and sing backgrounds. Let's go. I love Tank, man. Yeah. Tank is super, super dope. Um, okay. This question here. This singer has a five octave range and is known as one of the best selling solo artists of all time. Is it Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, or John Legend? Mariah Carey. That is correct. <laughs> All right, last question. This singer from Virginia is often compared to Michael Jackson and came on the scene in 2005 with his first hit single, Run It. Uh no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Chris Brown. <laughs> exactly. There you go. See. Oh uh, man. Okay. I like. I was. I was worried. I was worried. I, I'm mad that I didn't get a perfect score, but it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, but five out of six is pretty good. <laughs> so, you know your R&B, so that's all that matters. Let's go. So thank you so much for playing R&B Trivia with me. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, taking time out of your day, because I know you have to get ready for your performance this week. So thank you so much. Please let everybody know where they can follow you. 
Uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Maurice Moore and uh, on everywhere else, uh, TikTok, YouTube, SoundCloud. It's going to be uh, Maurice XIII, which is uh, the Roman numeral for 13, which is my favorite number. Oh. So, yeah, check me out, tap in, and I hope to see y'all uh, on the road. Definitely, definitely. We're going to look forward to that uh, for the tour and the EP and the single that's coming out. Thank you once again. Thank you to everyone that's listening. This is the Total R&B Podcast. My name is Lorena, and I will be back in two weeks with a new interview. Gee.